Well, good morning again. My name is Faith Stevens. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to say it's such a blessing for me to be here this morning during this Advent season to share um, some particular passages of Scripture with you. Before I begin with the passage that we're going to look at today, though, I know that probably with travel schedules and, and people who are worshiping here perhaps for the first time today, uh, it would be worthy to recap the last couple of weeks. We are in a series entitled Nativity, and it began two weeks ago. Pastor Jeff, in week one, talked to us and shared with us about the hope, the hope that Jesus came to a weary, hopeless world. He did that thousands of years ago. Back then, people thought that God had turned God's back on the world, and they were living in hopelessness. But at Jesus' birth, the world was forever changed. No matter how dark your world is, no matter how sad you are, there is hope, and that hope is in Jesus Christ. Pastor Jeff talked about the blessings of hope. First of all, the incarnation. In essence, God's saying, I'm coming into this mess of a world, and I'm going to send my only son, Emmanuel, which means God with us. During Jesus' ministry, he ministered. He gave us the example of what we should do and how we should live. He went to a cross for our sins, but yet he was sinless. Number two, it was the virgin birth. What hope and blessing that is. The angel told Mary that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and she would give birth to a son of the Most High. Jesus was not just crucified, but he was resurrected. And we live in that assurance and hope, too, that one day we, too, will be resurrected and join those that have gone on before us and join Jesus. You know, without eternal hope, there is no daily hope, is there? Without resurrection, incarnation has no meaning. This Advent season is a time for us to remember that hope has come to us in Jesus. As we remember his birth, and as we live in anticipation of that hope yet to come, that is the return of Jesus at the second coming. Last week, we had our beautiful musical. What a beautiful worship service. And Pastor Jeff spoke to us again. This time, he shared that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus came to give peace to those who believe in him. Not a peace that comes or tries to come from the world, because the world is not full of peace. It's full of evil and strife but a peace that comes from having a true relationship with Jesus Christ. Pastor Jeff reminded us that Jesus the immortal became mortal so that we mortals would someday become immortal. We continue our series this week as we look at a passage that is a huge part 
of the Christian Christmas story, but it only appears in one gospel, the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles with you, I would ask you to go ahead and get those on your lap, pull those forward. If you don't have a Bible, there should be some in the pew in front of you. And again, I would ask you to turn to that gospel as we go through those verses and understand what God is sharing with us this morning. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, your scripture is so alive, alive today just as it was when you walked on this earth. Open our hearts, open our eyes to see you in a new way. Open our ears to hear from you in the scriptures. And then open our spirits to be transformed by this story and by the way you're touching our spirits today. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you, as you are able, if you would stand with me as I read the scripture from Matthew 2 today. Would you join? Would you stand? Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Who and why? Who and why were the Magi? Who were they? Why did they come? Why did they seek out the Messiah? Well, I don't know about you, but my theology a lot of times through my life has come from everything from pictures on Christmas cards to plays at church, Christmas plays, Christmas movies about the birth of Jesus, manger scenes outside of churches. Um, 
So we get a lot of our theology that way. As we read this passage, we don't see in the passage that there were actually three magi, three wise men. We don't see that. What we see is there were three gifts that they brought. In truth, there probably were at least three, but in those days, people traveled in caravans. And I would suspect that this is how this group would have traveled. They were a priestly caste. In my research, I found that they were astrologers. They were very interested in the planets and the stars and how they worked together. Very knowledgeable about that. They were men of authority. In fact, in the region of Persia, Babylon in particular, no king was crowned that wasn't blessed by the Magi. The Magi can be traced back to the Old Testament. Jeremiah 248 states that the king of Babylon placed Daniel. We know about Daniel in the lion's den, right? That Babylon king placed Daniel in charge of all of its wise men. Daniel 9, 25 through 26 states that Daniel himself prophesied a lot about the coming one day of the Messiah. The wise men who came to find Jesus would have known about these prophecies, not only because of Daniel, but because the Jewish people had spent time in exile. You remember, they were sent to Babylon for years, intermarried with some of those people. So it's easy to conclude that undoubtedly these prophecies, not only from Daniel, but from just the people, the Jewish people, would have passed down through the years to the very wise men, the very magi that went to seek out the baby Jesus. The wise men also believed that a sign from heaven meant that a king had been born on earth somewhere. So when they saw that star, they knew that something special had happened. Now, N.T. Wright, a great theologian, said this, it's possible that somewhere around 6 or 7 B.C., 6 and 7 B.C., that a couple of the planets, Jupiter and Saturn, could have aligned with one another and made a bright light. I myself have faith that God can do anything. Amen? Amen. And I and my faith say that God just created that special star that appeared to them and then continued to guide them over to where the baby was. They saw that star in the east. That must have been amazing to them. So as I pondered that and thought about that and prayed over this scripture, I said, how can I even bring to light what that would be like? And I was talking to Pastor Trevor, because he's over in the auditorium this morning. And I said, Trevor, I'm just, I, you know, I, I want to bring this to the current time, you know. And he said, Faye, you know what occurred to me? I said, what? He said, you remember 2017, right? Total eclipse, right? You and I were out on the ball field with our families, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He had met some people from Florida. Mike and I met some people from Alabama. They were tailgating, and they offered Mike and me some of the food. We had our glasses, and we were all in awe and experienced the whole thing. You see, there was a 70-mile width that went across the United States and went right over Lexington. I heard right over the dam. But we were in it, and people traveled from all over the United States to be in that 70-mile 
swath. The last time that happened, totally, total eclipse of the sun, was back in the, um, 1918, long time ago. So think of that and how excited we all were about that, and then think, oh my goodness, how excited would these wise men have been? You know, that was a long journey for them to take off and, and go. They had to just stop whatever they were doing, their businesses, their teaching, everything, and go across a probably a desert-like land and did some research, could have been 600 miles. You hear all kinds of reports, it could have been six months. Some people have said two years, you know, to get to the baby Jesus. We don't know, the scripture's silent on that, but it reminds me of something I heard some years ago. I've wondered if there were wise women instead of wise men. Well, I've got a few things to share with you that might have made the trip different. Number one, the wise women would have asked for directions long before they got to Jerusalem. Number two, they would have arrived on time, not when the child and Mary had moved into a house. Number three, they would have helped deliver the baby because they would have been on time. Four, they would have cleaned up the stable. And then five, they would have brought a casserole. <laughs> Tongue in cheek, of course. Back to the scripture. We hear that once they did arrive in Jerusalem, they inquired, where is the one that has been born king of the Jews? We saw the star in the east. Well, when Herod, evil King Herod, heard about this, he called his scribes and his teachers together, and he wanted to either know or be reminded, what did the prophecy say? And of course, they said, yes, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, the prophecies say, are no means least among the rulers of Judah. Out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. There you go. And so then what did he do? He called the wise men to himself, and he lied. He was so conniving. He was so paranoid. He was so paranoid that he would murder his own family members if he thought they threatened him in some way. And as Ill illogical as it was, he felt threatened about the birth of the baby Jesus. He might have thought, well, when he gets to be 18, 19 years old, he might try to take over my throne. Can't have that. So if you read on, which I hope you will this coming week, chapter 3, it'll get into what this evil man did. He actually had every child in Bethlehem to and under murdered. Okay. Jesus escaped that with his family, of course, and went to Egypt. It's interesting to me that the wise men traveled so far to locate, to worship, and to give gifts to Jesus when the chief priests, the teachers, the Jewish people, aside from, say, the shepherds and a few, 
We're not interested in traveling a few miles, four to eight miles, I'm not sure, one far from Jerusalem to Bethlehem to check this thing out. It took Gentile wise men to come so far and worship him. And it makes me think about me because this scripture always speaks to me. It caused me to think about, am I more like Herod? Not as a murderer, but am I more like Herod in wanting to protect my own stuff? Particularly in this season, my house, all my things that I'm going to decorate with, all the fun that I'm going to have with my family, and just kind of leave Jesus out of it. Are we more like Herod? Or do we want to really see Jesus? If we're honest, we can get caught up in this season and worship a season and not a savior. We get caught up in the wrapping paper, the gifts and the decorations to make the outside of our lives look so good when it's really the inside of us that counts and Jesus that counts. We get caught up in what culture suggests we celebrate the season and not the Savior. So where is Jesus for you this season? Jesus is the smallest part of the nativity, but the most important. I was reminded when I studied and read over this passage of years ago, my oldest child, Angie, was about four or five years old at the time. At that time, we had one manger scene. Now I have like seven or so. And several sit on the coffee table all year round is a beautiful reminder to me of what Jesus has done, continues to do for us. But anyway, I started pulling out the boxes of decoration, so excited to make the house beautiful. And I found the manger, the nativity, and I pulled it out of a box and set it up on the dresser in the bedroom and then went on about my work pulling out other things. Well, my daughter Angie, who is my artist and also just creative in so many ways, she doesn't miss a trick. And she walked up to that nativity and she looked at it real close. And then she come run, she came running to me. And she said, Mama, the baby Jesus is missing. He's not in the little manger. And the little, th the little baby Jesus was tiny. So she said, we got to find him. So we started pulling out more boxes, and we looked and looked and looked. And thank the Lord, we found the baby Jesus and put him in his little manger, and everything was A-OK -okay that year. But I remembered that from my life, and it caused me to think, you know, I probably would have gone through the season with that little nativity sitting out and I'd been all fine without Jesus in it. <laughs> and that reminds me, how often do I leave Jesus out of things? Where is he in my life? Where is he in your life? It causes us to think. I started thinking about the wise men and, and what they brought to Jesus. They wanted to come and worship him and bring those treasures. Herod wanted to kill him. What are we bringing this season? What are we bringing specifically to Jesus? 
Are you like me that year when it was all about me, my house, my throne? <laughs> the wise men brought valuable gifts, but those valuable gifts probably met a real need too. This was a young couple, a young couple just starting out with a baby, a young couple that didn't have much. They could have been staying in a house that was of a relative or a friend. They were going to be embarking on a trip to Egypt for we don't know how long. They didn't know how long. Have you ever wondered? Scripture's silent on it, but have you ever wondered that some of these gifts that, yes, were fit for a king, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, could have been used as bartering to help them out. The gold could have been a gold statue that they could break up in pieces and pass that off for housing or food or diapers for the baby or a onesie or maybe they would do an impulse buy and buy a little stuffed yak for the baby. I'm just teasing. But they would have had to live. And yes, Joseph was a carpenter, but these valuable gifts were given out of love and worship to this young couple. What do we bring? What would Jesus want from us this season? I would suggest, first of all, that he wants our heart. Jesus wants our heart. He wants all of us, not just little pieces and parts here and there. He wants all of us. If we give him our heart, you know what happens? Then we're going to start giving him our time. We're going to start giving him our talents. And we all have talents. I've heard people say, oh, I don't have talent. Yes, you do. You can do something. And you have resources. We all have resources. These things can help the least of these locally and the least of these worldwide. If you allow God to direct you and guide you like he did the wise men. The wise men had a dream. They had a dream not to go back to Herod, but to find a brand new route home. I got to thinking about that too. And so I did some work. You can do some word studies on some of the Greek words. And the, and, and the Greek word for road or way or route is a word pronounced hodos. It's H-O-D-O-S phonetically. Would you say that with me? Hodos. Hodos. That word means way or road, literally. And in the context of some sentences. But the same word, hodos, was used in John, the 14th chapter, the 6th verse. Same word, hodos. And you know what it meant there? Jesus was speaking. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. So, the wise men left another literal route with their GPS camels. But I would suggest that their encounter with Jesus Christ as they worshiped him, as they gave him gifts, that they were transformed in here. 
and they left another way, a way that Jesus suggests, realizing he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Have you made your route to Jesus? I know some of you, and I know you're strong Christians, and you have. You've made your route to Jesus. But maybe he's asking you to take a new route this season and into the new year. Are you open to it? Might take a little courage, like it took courage from the wise men to go 600 miles. Maybe there's someone in here that's never given their life to Christ. An unbeliever. You have an opportunity and I've heard it said this way, come to Jesus by whatever route you can, with the best gift or gifts you can, find within yourself your heart to give to him. In a moment, Melody will lead us in a beautiful Christmas hymn, Away in a Manger, and during this time, if you're being nudged by the Lord to come to him for the first time, to come to him today because there's something going on in here that you need to talk to him about, the altar is open during this beautiful hymn, Come. It's not a far way. <laughs> it's not a far route to get from your pew to the altar, just a few steps. Would you have the courage to do it? Will you have the courage this season to say, yes, Lord, I'll go where you send me. I'll use my talents, I'll use my resources, and I praise you in the midst. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord God, we thank you. We thank you that you came to this world. You left, you left your throne. <laughs> and came to earth and put on flesh. Emmanuel with us, we thank you so much for going to a cross for us, for dying for us, but we thank you most of all that you were resurrected in three days. And we live in that hope and that peace and that love that we will too. We know you're asking us to do new things all the time. Nudge us, ask us, let us know how we can be your hands and feet in this world. May we see you, really see you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.